All right, you guys can have a seat. Um, so last week we talked about the mountain. We were talking about momentum, how we, we love momentum. Momentum is that feeling that you're flying down the mountain, you got your arms up, it's like, ah, it's awesome. It's almost like you don't have to work anymore. Once you get the momentum going, right, once it really gets rolling, it's almost as if the momentum pushes you. You get to just ride that momentum. But we discovered last week that w- what happens when an obstacle comes? What what do you do when an obstacle comes? And we're, we're pretty specific. We were talking about ministry last week. Uh, we're continuing along that theme in terms of steps that you, that you take and how that when you hit that mountain, when you hit this idea of ministry, and specifically we, we address the fact that here we are, we're, we're still uh, we're in a streaming situation, some able to come. How do you get involved in ministry if you're still not able to come in person. Those of you coming in person, hey, this step of ministry, there's obstacles to do that. Like, that doesn't feel like momentum. It feels hard. That feels like, wait, where, where is God in this? This is hard. And if you've already got involved in ministry, there's a really good chance along the way, you're like, whoa, this is hard. I thought it was going to be momentum. And how that when we choose to trust Christ and we begin to pedal up that mountain, we're actually creating energy for momentum. We're kind of storing up the energy. Why? Because while you're working your way up, there's a point at which you get to turn and go flying down. And we want to be able to do that together. So we're going to continue talking about momentum, but uh, we're going to leave the mountain. We're going to leave Colorado. We're going to go to California. And uh, California is the wave. All right. We're going to talk about the wave today. The wave has momentum. Actually, waves are really all about momentum. They're all about the fact that the water is moving, it hits the shore, it rises up. The reason you see a wave is because there's so much energy in that water, it's moving, and, and it, it can't be stopped, right? So it rises up and turns into this big, beautiful wave. Now, before I talk about surfing very long, uh, if you've been around Skyline for, for, for very long, you know I have a daughter who lives in Ventura, and so we go out there, and I love this old, I used to love surfing, now I love the whole idea of surfing. And so I, I got to be honest with you, right? So I've spent hours in the water, but I've only actually caught a wave and rode it three times. I have spent hours watching other people surf by while I'm in the water. But I do understand what's happening. What's happening is that there is this energy, there's this momentum that's going by. And if you learn how to ride the wave, you learn how to catch that momentum. And when you catch it, you come up on top of it. It, just, it can push you for a very, very long time. And this one really is true this way. You, you have to work somewhat to keep your balance, but there's this incredible, amazing feeling once you actually catch the wave. You're like, I don't care how hard that is, I'm going to try that again because I want, I want to be able to ride that momentum. Now, that's the experience of a surfer. Here's my experience. My experience is, one, it's super hard to paddle out. Right? It is hard to get out there. And all that momentum is doing what? It's crashing down upon you. Number two is, if you are trying to catch the wave, you can paddle really, 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 really hard, and then the wave just, it go, it just goes by you. Like, I don't know, I don't know why it just goes, it doesn't go by everybody, it goes by me, right? So it just goes by me. And other times you paddle and you get out ahead of it, you're like, yeah, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. And all of a sudden it goes, 
and it smashes down on the top of your head. You're too far in front of it. And so today, we're going to talk about this idea of riding the wave, only we're going to look at, are you out there in your life working like crazy? So most of you are working very hard because you want to live a meaningful, purposeful, powerful life. You're actually working at it. Very few of you get up on Monday morning and go, eh, not today, and do nothing. You are out there going at it, right? But momentum is not how you would describe your life. The momentum of God is not how you would describe your life. What if, instead of riding the wave, you're actually practicing things that cause you to miss the wave, kind of like wave killers or momentum killers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Maybe if we identify some of these in your life, we can turn that around and you can turn that around for you as well. So we're going to start in uh, Romans chapter 8, and uh, Romans start, chapter 8 starts with incredible momentum. The, Romans 8.1 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this, this talk today about riding the momentum, uh, kind of so you understand ahead of time. You may be in a position where you're like, you're checking out this Jesus thing, you're checking out what it means to trust Christ, or maybe you've been here for a while and you think you're trusting Christ, but, but really you're, just, you're still just doing the same old thing of, hey, I'm trying to become a better person. This is not about becoming a better person. This is about Jesus Christ and do I, that I have accepted him, I know him, I've trusted him with my sin, with my life, with my eternity. He's asked me to share life with him and I've said, yeah, I want to get rid of my, my life. I want to I live with you. And so he, he says, for every person who's done that, there is therefore now no condemnation. So that means you get to get up every morning and go, okay, God, what do you think of me now? And he goes, no condemnation, no disgust, no, God's not going, oh, I can't believe you. No, that's momentum, guys. The fact that God already is at work in your life, the fact that God has, this, he has created this relationship with you whereby you keep screwing up and he keeps giving you mercy, it's incredible, right? It's a momentum as it starts. And then he walks down through and he talks about now, there's the flesh, and he says this about the flesh, most amazing thing. He says, it cannot obey God. You can't get your flesh to obey God. You can't become a better person. You can't turn your flesh into, from what it is into something else. It hates God. It said, but the Spirit loves God, and if you know Christ, then the Spirit, and that's where we're going to jump in. But if, it, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, so you become a believer, you trust in Christ, he's given you a new heart, the Spirit of God actually comes and lives within you. The, the body that you live in, it's still full of sin. you got the same thinking patterns, you got the same lies, you got the same temptations, you got these same habits like, why do I do that? Because sin still lives in you. 
And because of that, your body's going to die. It's literally going to die. But also because of that, your body produces a lot of death. What does that mean? If we were to follow you, or if you were to follow me around, or I was to follow you around any given day, you'd be like, why'd you do that? That creates hurt in other people's lives. Why'd you do that? That creates mistrust. Why did you do that? There was so much good you could have done, but you chose something else. That's, that's the death. He says, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. What is righteousness and life connected? Because for the Word of God, for the truth, the way it really is, is this. To live life is to live a righteous life, to live a good life. It's to tell the truth. It's to be loving and kind and sacrificial. It's to choose to do the right thing at the right time. That's what it means to be alive. It doesn't have to do with whether or not you feel good or don't feel good. It has to do with the fact you are producing life. Good. He then goes on to say, and if the spirit of him who raised him from the dead is living in you. Well, that's, that's a big deal. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Have you ever said to yourself, man, if I only had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars right now, I would. And you think the, the, it's, it used to be a million dollars. Now inflation has got us, right? So <laughs> what, what if I had a billion dollars, right? What if I had a billion dollars, right? If I had a billion dollars. And you think that the, the sky opens up and you'd be able to do all these things, right? I, when I watch... I don't so much anymore. I've gotten kind of older, but I used to do it all the time. I used to meet somebody or play sports with somebody and be like, if I, if I was as tall as him, you couldn't stop me. If I was as strong as him, oh my goodness. It's like the sky would open up. It would be amazing what I would be able to do. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. That's more powerful than a billion dollars. That has more potential than a billion dollars. There is no power, there is no resource stronger, more valuable, more powerful that would open the skies than having The power of the Spirit of God who lives in you, who what? All of the sin of the world was poured out on Christ. He then had the power to raise from the dead. He overcame it all. That Spirit lives in you. That Spirit lives in you. By the way, as a little little, uh, practice, it's really good for you to practice that every time you say, if I only, that you go, wait a minute, I have the Spirit of God. What I have is actually better than that. He who raised, so, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Two things about this. This is is an incredible promise. Uh, as, a, as a pastor, I always want to keep my credibility. I always want to make sure I don't promise you things that aren't true. I don't want to promise you things that absolutely cannot be backed up because I never want you to go down that road thinking you're following what God says and then God doesn't come true. 
doesn't come through, right? So you don't hear me, and, and, and I do disagree with people who stand up there and go, listen, if you give this amount of money, man, you are going to, man, you're going to be rich. Now, does God oftentimes, does God always bless you if you give? He does. But it doesn't always look like money, and you don't always know when it's coming. Right? There's other things that the Bible, there's these principles that God does. It's amazing how if you sow this, you reap this. This promise is a guarantee. This promise is a guarantee that if the Spirit of God lives in you, He will bring life to your mortal bodies. He will change you. He will grow you. Whatever experience you're going through, I know it is a promise that God is going to use that to make you more like Christ, to come alive. That your body, instead of producing evil and ugliness and meanness and death, it changes. You become someone who actually can love your children, do wise things in your children's life, back up what you're going to say, keep your promises. God will take your eyes, hands, ears, nose, mouth, bring it to life. That means it's used to bring life to other people. That's what it means. That is an absolute guarantee promise. He says, therefore, because that's true, we have an obligation. Obligation. Obligation is a debt. It's when you think you owe something. It's, it's not just uh, written on paper. It's written on your heart. It's written on your soul that I owe this obligation. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we do have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. Now the flesh, oh my goodness, the flesh tells you this all the time, every day, all day, that you owe the flesh. You owe it. You owe it. You know who the flesh is? You know what the flesh's name is? Ourselves. The flesh is me. That's who it is. It's me, and you, you feel this one, all right? And so the flesh has these obligations, and, and it says, but, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. Here's what the flesh tells you. You owe me feeling. You owe me feeling good. I need to feel good. Every time you do something sacrificial and actually love and your body comes to life, you know what your flesh goes? <laughs> You're great. Now you owe me. That was awesome what you did. Now you owe me. You love on your wife. You love your husband. You love your kids. You do great things. Ooh, I'm tired of being good. You owe me. You owe me something else. The second thing is that it's, is the, the, the flesh says you're obligated to have. I got to have. I gotta have. They have. I need to have. I, I got to have. You wake up, you go for a drive, anywhere you go, you just see things. I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that. You can feel it, right? I got to have it. And then once you have it, I got to protect it. And I need more of it. And thirdly, to be. The flesh says you need to be envied. You need to be worshipped. You need to be known as the best one in the room. They need to respect you. It tells you this all the time. And it always brings death. He says, but the Spirit you put to death, but by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. 
So if you live by the flesh, if you live by that temptation, your, your body dies. It produces death. You hurt other people. You hurt, you hurt your relationship with Christ. You hurt. But the promise is, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The whole message today is about this. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. And act on it. And you'll live. Listen to the Spirit. Now, if you think I'm talking, listen to the Spirit, like, went into the room, closed the door, shut off the light. I didn't feel anything. Must be the Spirit doesn't live in the closet. We're not talking feeling. We're talking, first and foremost, what the Word of God says. That's the Word of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. And then what the Spirit does is the Spirit says, now this is a great way to apply what you just, what the Word of God said. This is how you would specifically, Chris, love Lori. The Bible says love your wife like Christ loves the church. The Spirit goes, yeah, and specifically you would do that this way. It's listen to the Spirit. The Spirit is the wave. It is. But it's not a feeling. And you listen to the Spirit, you ride the wave. So how does this happen? How do you put to death the misdeeds of the body by the Spirit? Like, how do you do that? It's three steps. It's exactly these three steps every time. It starts with grace. He comes to me in my sin and offers me a new life. By grace, through faith. God comes to you and says... I see your sin. I see your brokenness. I see the position you're in. I want to work in your life. He comes to you and says, I got a wave here. I want you to ride the wave. I see where you are. I see you're discouraged. I see you're broken. I see that. I want you. I have acted on your behalf. I'm going to either fix that situation or I'm going to ask you to take steps. And as you take that steps, I'm going to fix you. He does that by Christ. So you have God acts first, and then you got to decide because you have your life and what you're experiencing, what you think, and you have all the temptations, all the obligations of the flesh, and then you have Christ. And I am responding to who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he says is true. This is the definition of worship. Worship is responding to Jesus. That's what it is. This is simple. This is not complicated. The way that I hear the Spirit is I believe Christ. The way that I jump on the wave is I believe Jesus. I either don't believe him and therefore put my trust in something else, or, and it leads to death, or I believe Christ. And when I believe Christ, the Spirit of God goes to work in your life. The power of the Spirit of God goes to work in your life. Do you remember when you trusted Christ for the first time? And the Spirit of God came in, in you. Do you know that 44 different things happened between you and God and in you the moment you trusted Christ? You didn't know the Spirit was doing all those things. He was. And then, now I can build my life on grace through faith in Jesus that by grace, I'm forgiven, I'm holy, I'm his servant, and I, I am his witness. I can live in the Spirit. I can worship in the Spirit. It, it's those three steps every time. It's not complicated. It's not tricky. 
God is absolutely has the wave going. He is, the momentum is there. He absolutely has done everything that needs to happen for you to jump on and join him. And it all starts with trusting Christ. It trusting his word and what he says and then acting on it. So here's our big idea for the day. Jesus is very clear that he gives a full, gives a life full of momentum. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to create it. You don't have to get your life going. But we often spend our lives trying to get things going. We're trying to make it happen. Maybe we've been killing the momentum instead of riding it. And so with that, we are going to take a look at four simple things, but we're going to focus mainly on the fourth one. Number one, are you ignoring, rebelling, fighting against the Holy Spirit? The, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. You're like, no, I'm here. How could, why, why are you even talking to me like that? I'm here, right here in church. You could, why would I come to church if I'm fighting the Spirit? Well, this is how the flesh works. The flesh goes, listen, I want you to go to church. It's awesome. I love you going to church. I, man, I want you to be nice to people. I love you being nice to people. But make sure we don't give up the lust when we come home. Okay, the music that you've been listening to that is just full of filthy words. It is full of pride. It is full of everything that leads to death. And you're like, I love church and I love my music. You are in rebellion to the Spirit. You are fighting the Spirit. You're not listening to Him. Guys, I picked music. That's an easy one, right? The message is not about music. The message is about where are you trying to mix the two? Do you interact with the Spirit of God based on the idea, I'm just trying to become a better person? I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be a good person. I'm just trying to become a better. You can't expect me to be like Christ. No, no, no. The wave is he invited you to be like Christ. I can't. He's not asking you to be Christ. He's asking you to listen to the Spirit, which is there's no 50-50 in righteousness. There's no, hey, I do my church stuff, but then I got my other life. When I was in high school, this clearly is true, I was high school, I would go to church, sing songs, go out with Lori, and touch things I had no business touching. I was at war with the Spirit. I wasn't listening to the Spirit. Now, I pretended I was. I pretended to myself I was. And you might be doing that. And if that's the case, you're working so hard. And one time you miss the wave, and the next time it crashes on you. But you don't get to experience God's momentum because you're at war with the Spirit. Number two is you're lost and unsure of the way. Nothing will kill momentum like being lost, right? 
So you're driving along the way, and you think you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, I think I'm lost. What's the first thing you do? You slow down. Or if you're married and you don't slow down, someone is going, slow down! We don't know where we're going. We need to slow down. We don't know the path. We don't know what we're doing. You get lost enough and you just stop. Right? Because you think it's dangerous to keep going. I'm lost. I don't know the next step to take. Now, this is really common in following Christ. This is really common in interacting with the Spirit. I hear this all the time, and so do you. You know, I don't know, I don't know if Jesus wants me to vo- uh, join the church. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to pray about that. What? Like, that's a good ministry. That's really, I'm glad other people do that, but I, I'm going to pray about whether or not I'll get involved in ministry. Who are you praying to? You're literally going, God, give me a sign when the Spirit has already clearly, clearly said the purpose of your whole life, the purpose of your whole life is to build others up. The purpose of your life is not your career. The purpose of your life is not whatever you're going to possess or feel or experience, right? It's Christ. So the, the way you practice this one is you just take the next step in front of you. We have something called the growth path. And this entire thing is built. It's, it's God's word. It's, it's, it's the Bible put on a path. What's, what's the next step? Like, I don't know. And so you just slow down. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to commit. You know what happens when you say, I don't want to commit, right? It means, I don't want to commit to this, but I will commit to hobbies, and I will commit to my kids in every possible sport and function, whatever, and I will commit. I don't want to, I don't want to commit. And I just don't know the next step to take. I want to challenge you. I think you do. You just think it's optional. Why? Because you're not, you're not actually listening to the Spirit. You're actually telling the Spirit, yeah, I saw that sign, but I need a different one. And he doesn't come up with another sign. He says, no, this is it. Take the next step. Number three is you're distracted by stuff. This is uh, very, very, everybody in New Jersey understands this really, really well, right? You're on the road, you're on the highway, and it just stops, right? Oh, it must be an accident. Clearly, it must be an accident. Yeah, on the other lane, in the other road, there was no accident in your road. Nothing. There was nothing to stop you. What happened? People are looking. And when you're looking, you slow down. When you're looking, you slow down. And, and you're distracted by stuff. I'm distracted by stuff. Another truck story. So, when I drive my old truck, I feel a certain way. Oh, but when I drive my new truck, Man, I mean, I was clearly born to drive a new truck. <laughs> that feeling 
of having, right? I mean, I, I know it's not true. I 100% know it's not true. But you don't know how many times I've walked out, looked at my truck, and went, you are a success, Chris. You really are. <laughs> you're like, you're making that up. I'm not making that up. I 100% know that's not true. But it feels like it. Right? Because having feels like life. It's a distraction. It's death. It, you pursue that stuff. You just get distracted. And so you're out there working like mad to catch the wave, right? The whole time you're ignoring the Spirit. Because the Spirit's crystal clear. Stuff is just a trap. You think, I'm going to have that stuff. And what does stuff do? It turns you into a slave. The, third, the fourth one is the one I want to focus on. And so the passage is, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh. Number four, unconfessed sin. The passage is, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, that's not about, in this context, it's actually not about heaven and hell. It's about your life, this life. If you live according to the flesh, you'll just produce death. And many of you have tried to research your life and find out, why did this happen and why did this happen? And maybe God was doing this and maybe that was happening. And for all of us, the reason why is because for many of you, you've lived a very hard, a very heartbreaking life because your parents live by the flesh. It's that simple. They produced death in you and on you because they said no to the Spirit. And then, then for some of you, you're like, yeah, and then I multiplied it. I just kept it going. And so now I've produced death in my own life and some on my kids' lives. That's what it means. It means that liars break kids' hearts. It means adulterers produce death. Well, what do you mean? Kids grow up without mom and dad loving each other. That's death. And it creates oh, ongoing death. If you live by, according to the flesh, you'll die. Unconfessed sin. will knock you off that wave every time. And as you live life, as you approach life, people say, well, you know, you know we don't want to be too involved in ministry because then you get burned out. You don't want to, you don't want to be too involved in, in pouring your life into other people, then you get burned out. And you need to protect yourself and you make sure you don't work too hard. I actually 100% disagree with that. Now, this is an opinion, and it's partially built on my experience. I have never, ever gotten burned out because I poured too much of my life into somebody else. Never happened to me, not once. Every time I'm tired and burned out, I'm hiding sin. Or I don't believe what Jesus said about me 
that's true. I don't believe in his grace. I don't believe I am who he says I am. That will exhaust you. You, you, you want the Spirit of God at work in your life. You want that amazing power. You want that love. You want that security. You, you want purpose in your life. And this is what we do when we hide sin. We turn our backs on the Spirit. Now, we hide it. We might go to church. We might still be involved in ministry. We, who knows what we're doing with our life? But we've got this hidden sin and we want that wave, and we're working hard to catch that wave, but we've got this sin, and so we talk, and we talk about, we, we may talk about the sin, and we may just talk about other things, but the entire time, there's one thing that's crystal, crystal clear. We are not talking to the Spirit, and we are not trusting Jesus. We're talking to ourselves. We talk and we talk and we talk and we blame and we blame and we blame and we complain and we complain and we complain and eventually we quit ministry or we quit people or we quit. But it's not because the wave wasn't right here in front of you. It's not because it couldn't have been over in a moment. It's because I was too afraid to come clean of what would happen. I don't particularly like telling these stories. I like to go back many years. I don't like to tell you the one that I did three weeks ago. I remember when I had to tell my dad and my mom that Lori was pregnant. Oh my goodness, I did not want to have to do that. I'd failed my parents. That's what I'd done. I'd failed my parents. I knew it was going to break their heart. I knew it. And the image that I have built of myself, I was going to destroy. Like, all the power I had because I was a good kid, it's gone. throughout my life, it's kind of those exact same things as to why I don't want to confess sin. I, I, I hate confessing sin to Lori because if I really love her great, I'm a great husband, then I, I get to kind of feel like this. And when I confess sin, the truth kind of comes out, right? And I believe that if the truth comes out, it's going to hurt me. And what Jesus says is I am here. But later on in the passage it says, those, those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. And the children of God, he, he says, you weren't saved so that you would be afraid again. You don't ever have to be afraid of your father again, ever. Why? Because we now call him Abba. We've been adopted. We call him Abba, Father. My mom and dad cried. 
And my dad said, you know you're marrying her, right? He forgave me. And my dad said, you're going to do the righteous thing. And now, I'm in love. And I have 13 amazing grandchildren. There's a lot of raves I've missed, but I caught that one. You want to catch the wave? Confess to Jesus. And then, whatever step he asks you to take next, you take it. It might be that you confess to somebody else, but you take it. That's how you ride the wave. You listen to the Spirit. I'm going to pray, and then after we pray, the band is going to play a song. And while they play it, I don't want you to stand up, and I want you to sing it. Some of you love to sing, and you're not going to be able to help it. That, that's okay. But I want you to listen to the words and interact with your Savior. Interact with the God who said, because of my great sacrifice for you, there is now no condemnation. Interact with the Spirit that wants to bring life to your body. But you, you have a choice to confess. Put that sin to death. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for my dad. Thank you that your tenant is better than my dad. But thank you for my dad. And Father, all the different times that you brought me right to this place, and all the times I reacted the exact same way, I can't, I'll lose my position, I'll lose my power, I'll lose my reputation. When in fact, all those things were already gone. I'm dead in my sin. I'm just pretending. And Lord, I want to pray for each person here. Help them to see your grace. Help them to see your love for them. Help them to see that that love is accepted through confession and repentance and obedience to you. We love you. In your name we pray.